Hello, Mississippi and abroad, and welcome to Justify Your Existence, the podcast that talks SEC through the lens of Mississippi. I am Parrish Alford, the Ole Miss beat writer with the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal, and I'm joined by Dalton Middleton, our Mississippi State writer. Lots to talk about in the program today. Dalton, how are you, man? Parrish, man, I'm all right. I'm a I'm a hoping for a good weekend. I got a you know the baseball series over here, Mississippi State number three, Arkansas number two. So it should be a really really good baseball series, all three games. My birthday's this weekend, so it's just a pretty overall pretty good weekend. So I'm looking forward to. It. I got some buddies coming up. We're gonna have a big crawfish boil Saturday night. So well, that that's great. Is this the year you get your driver's license? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no. <laughs> We'll, we'll see what, about that one. I don't know. Yeah, what, they might what not trust you me Dalton, were you maybe about uh, 27-ish? Where, where are you? 26? I'll be, I'll be 26. 26. 26. Okay. I was close. I was, if I was priced right, I wouldn't win anything because I went over. Okay. I went over at 27. But, uh, right, right. Yeah. yeah but that, that's okay. You're going to celebrate celebrate the birthday by getting uh, the COVID shot today. Is that right? Yeah, getting my first my first shot today. What did we got it yesterday? But, of course, the weather uh, messed it up. So, uh Hopefully the weather does not mess up too much this weekend. I know it's uh, our uh, our crawfish boil is kind of a uh, you know on the on the ropes right now because of the weather and how bad it might get Saturday afternoon. But we'll see. Tell you what, uh, it really did get bad, and and uh, you know tornado season, Dalton. It's like you, you you breathe a sigh of relief when it doesn't hit you, but you know it uh, it's hit somebody else. And Alabama got hit uh, hit pretty hard. Uh, Oh, misses at Alabama today. Yeah, yeah, and the whole Alabama thing is, you know, it it was supposed to hit hard and start with both both this week and last week, but uh, it basically missed us both times completely. But then, like Jillian, of course, is at Alabama, and so she's over there dealing with all of it, and you know, she's got tornadoes on the ground, and it's just, it's a. It's a little more stressful for me because I'm trying to, you know, make sure that she's okay and you know she's she's dealing with it and it's not me. I'd rather me be dealing with it than her. But yeah, it, it is a uh, stressful it's still time. Stressful even when it doesn't hit me. Yeah, certainly some loss of life over there east of Birmingham and uh, just uh, you know uh, we all have friends in that area, you know. So it's uh, it's tough. So we're we're thinking and praying for those folks today. Hey, folks, we want to thank our partners, the Oxford Park Commission, for coming along for the ride. They are looking for lifeguards right now. you got to be 16 or older. You've got to have a current lifeguard certification, and you can apply at OxfordMS.net. If you you have questions, you can contact Jamie Chandler, uh, J-A-M-I-E, Jamie at OxfordParkCommission.com. Uh, we spoke with uh, John Davis earlier in the week. They've got a lot of applicants, but looking for a lot more. You know, they want to make it uh, easy for people to come and go and take off and and uh, be with family or just, uh, you know, work, put in the work, guard the pool. It's what lifeguards do, but uh, like them to have some flexibility also. Uh, Dalton, it was pro day yesterday at uh, – at Ole Miss, and uh, honestly, if there was uh, one event that was wiped out or altered by COVID, if it, and it was pro day, that'd be okay. <laughs> but uh, you know, I've always found that uh, right. the, the excitement uh, that 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 uh, that is generated by guys running the forty yard dash is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just I'm just not all in there for the cone drills and, and all that. But uh, a lot of people are. Yeah, and, they didn't uh, even let us go. Yeah. Well. 
they allowed a few people to go yeah, yesterday. Yeah. Uh, Ole Miss allowed a few people in. I did not go. I just kind of kept up online and, and, uh, and did the press conference after. But what I'm getting around to is uh, Elijah Moore had a big day. Uh, as is expected. I've seen him projected, the Ole Miss wide receiver, seen him projected uh, late first round, early second. A lot of people have him going the second day. You know, the first day is only the first round. Um, but I was on some of the things I posted in the Facebook group after that. We had some folks come through, and and a lot of people still focusing on the fact that, uh, that he opted out for the last two games, which used to be Dalton – you see guys who thought who, who would say, well, I'm not going to play in the bowl game. You know, don't want to take on the risk of injury and, mm-hmm. you know, want to get started with uh, training for the draft and, and focus on the pro career. Not going to play in the bowl game. Um, but he opted out for the uh, last two games. And uh, you can argue that uh, that he would have made a difference um, against LSU. And it's possible. But uh, I think when you peel back the layers on that one. It wasn't uh, offense that lost that game uh, for Ole Miss. I don't know. Maybe they don't have as many turnovers. Maybe there's maybe some of that factors in. Certainly, you know, he could have made a difference uh, in some way, but he didn't. He was not there for the last two games. And I look at, at the opt-out, Dalton, and, and two things here. One, uh, Elijah Moore would like to have hero status. I mean, that's if, if he hadn't done that. That's the only blemish on his record. I mean, when I see people uh, – comment negatively on Elijah Moore. It goes back to the fact that he opted out for the last two games. Uh, but the other thing here is that the whole phrase opt out, uh, one, it's a communication issue because, you know, I, I hear a lot of coaches saying, well, uh, this player, that player decided to opt out. Well, he just really quit. You know, he just kind of, uh, his focus, uh, has lessened and he's gone on to, uh, to something different, and and and, you, and that can open up its own entire debate right there. But uh, opt out, you know, was instituted by the NCAA uh, last summer uh, to deal with players who might have concerns about COVID nineteen. And uh, I, I just think that uh, you know it was uh, a good intention by the NCAA, and in many cases, I, I'm sure that. Uh, that, that it worked as uh, as they hoped or as they thought it would. In many cases, I think it's uh, it's been abused, and in some cases, it's just a matter of uh, of terminology. But uh, what I've not seen is uh, where do we go from here with opt out? You know, do can a player uh, opt out uh, next uh, uh, October and still receive uh, his full scholarship? Uh, because that's that's the way the rule is written right now, that a player could opt out. Uh, those who did would still going to receive the full benefit of their scholarship. Right. See, I'm, I'm kind of torn on this one because uh, I don't really think abusing it is probably the best word since it was kind of towards not really the beginning, but still in the middle of the, the, the COVID pandemic where everyone didn't really know what was going on. So I kind of – I find it kind of tough to – say that it was abused by all these players when these players for for the most part outside of a few of them really were taking advantage of a situation where they may not have felt safe um and so there wasn't much known about COVID at that time um and people were still you know rampant and still you know the numbers were extremely high um 
And so I don't think it was abused too much by some of these players. I think I think uh, some of them were actually with good intentions. Um, but, you know, you do see it abused by some or you see it taken advantage of some by some. You know, the ones that are like Elijah Moore, like you mentioned, that play nine games and then quit the last two. Um, you know, Mississippi State had a few of those where a couple of players, Kylan Hills won, Marcus Murphy's won, where they played six, seven games, five, six games, and then um, just randomly opted out of the season halfway through due to COVID. And it was like, you just played five games. What do you, what do you, and you're honestly probably safer on the football team than you are, you know, doing whatever else you're doing out there, um, going to class and all this stuff. But, um, you know, it, it, I don't know. I, I, I feel like the terminology is a little weird saying abused um, when really it was for a good intention, like you said, and people were opting out because of their safety. Um, but yeah, opting out of that has become uh, an issue. I feel like, I don't know where, where they go from here. Um, but it, it, you can't have, you know, 10, 15 players opting out of each season just because they want to every year. And an example of this that I, I remember before COVID hit was the D Eric King, uh, who's now the Miami quarterback, you know, he opted out at Houston. Um, and this was uh, to what, two years ago, because I think he played like the first two or three games. And then, you know, you can play four years and still get that right. redshirt or four right. games. I'm sorry. And still get that redshirt. And so he was like, Oh, you know, we're Oh, and three, I'm gonna opt out. We we'll be better next year. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's abusing a policy right and there. And that was kind of, um, yeah, that was before the legislation for COVID. That was, if I recall that, and just some things I read and, and, and heard at the time, that was almost like a coach's decision, like a, like, you know, I mean, like that, that was a, I believe that was a joint decision there. And yes, that was interesting with the new red shirt policy and just, it, it man, so many, so many rules that uh, uh, you set out with uh, at first with good intentions, trying to make things better for the players. It like anything in life, it's not just an NCAA thing. It can be a, misconstrued it can be uh taken the wrong way it can be uh, handled uh improperly uh, as far as abuse on the opt-outs i'm thinking more later far later into the process I mean, like these mississippi state guys if you felt safe enough for five games it's hard for me to believe that uh that you've had uh you suddenly uh rethought your position on COVID 19 if you were safe from for uh, all these games and, and, and you're right man we see the protocols we see the protocols that are in place at these schools, the policy set down uh, by the SEC and, and really followed by all the conference members. I've, I've said many times that this football season, now when, when the games got going again, you know, I, I was glad. I, I was glad to get back uh, in a stadium. I was glad to uh, be out and covering again. But I wondered, you know, what's this going to look like? You know, are we going to pull this off, as, as so many did at the start of college football? But what I realized quickly was I think one of the safest places you could be during the pandemic was an SEC press box with all the hurdles we had to yeah. jump through to uh, to get there and, and then getting there and, and realizing, uh, you know, how different those press boxes looked at uh, 50% capacity. And honestly, I was all in on 50% capacity in a press box, man, because I can remember those conference games when, you know, some uh, bigger uh, media outlets or, or papers or whatnot might send four or five people or, or that sort of thing. And, and you could get uh, uh, on, on a, a row of chairs in, in that press box when you're elbow to elbow. And, and uh, I know you're the only one that can see my elbows right yeah. now, Dalton, but that's okay. 
you know, we were squeezed in there <laughs> like that, you know? And, and so 50%, I think one, I, I don't think uh, anybody's, any entity's coverage really suffered uh, because the press box was uh, 50% full. And, uh, you know, basically we got in there, we understood the protocols. Uh, you had the health screening, which you could basically lie on if you wanted to. Uh, I'm sure some people probably yeah. did, but, uh, you know, some places uh, uh, checked your temperature, uh, some did not, uh, but you got in there and, and you were pretty spread out. And, and a lot of places had plexiglass between, uh, between seats. I mean, look, I, I just, I always felt like uh, one of the safest places you could be was an SEC press box. Yeah, I agree with that. And um, I think moving forward with opt-outs and everything, I don't think we see much more of it. Um, I don't think we see near as much as we did this year, next year, because um, while I well, I did think there was a lot of it, probably an excess amount towards the end of the season this year, um, you got to think, you know, like from a player's perspective, um, it was most games there. It's just seemed like, you know, it's a shortened season. You're not playing as many games. You have no fans. It's, it was kind of like a glorified scrimmage. You know, the spring games usually have more fans than what they dealt with this year at any given game. You know, you go to a game and there's 7,000 fans, you know, it's just kind of like, you know, what are we even playing for? Um, you know, it's, it was kind of weird, you know, you never know because, you know, your starting quarterback could be number one in the Heisman running and somebody sneezes next to him on a Wednesday and all of a sudden he's out two weeks because of contact tracing. And so it, it was kind of a weird season. I don't think that happens as much next year. But, um, you know, with so many difficulties and everything, it's, it was, I would imagine it was kind of annoying for the players and, you know, kind of sucked for the players because they're going out here and, you know, they're dealing with this sitting out two weeks because someone sneezed on them or something or someone coughed next to them, you know, two miles away or something. And all of a sudden they're having to go out there and, you know, put their body on the line in front of 4,000 people. And it's, yeah, I can imagine it's just kind of like probably maybe not worth it. Um, and especially since the fact that they got to keep their scholarships. Yeah. You know, I, I think if the NCAA says you lose your scholarship for the year or something, um, of course, there wouldn't be near as many opt-outs, but uh, the fact that they got to keep all their scholarship term was like, you know, it's not really worth it. So, Well, and and uh, I'll pose that question to the NCAA. I'll uh, email the authorities there. I bet about 250 and getting responses from those folks. And I, I don't know if this is uh, considered controversial and, and something they don't want to discuss. It probably is. You know, they're you know, fairly sensitive, I think, in, in how they respond. They sure didn't want to uh, talk Confederate flag with me much. I, I'll tell you that. Um but in the case of uh, Elijah Moore, I think it is worth noting that uh, by the time he opted out, it was December 19th. That was the game. That was the date of the LSU game. And it was uh, it was pretty late in the season. And, and, and in the regular course of life, uh, without uh, a pandemic, that would be a time when the season was complete and, and maybe you were getting ready for a bowl game and, and, and just you know, maybe you're just going to opt out of of that bowl game and, and begin focusing on, on a pro career and that sort of thing. I mean, I think the calendar with some of these cases uh, comes into play. I'm really interested to see uh, if the NCAA will respond and, and, and say where we're going from here. This is what we're going to do. And uh, you're, you're right. If you uh, start uh, taking away that scholarship money uh, with opt-outs, and I think that's that's going to change some things. I also think it's interesting that we've seen so few of them uh, in baseball. I'm not aware of any uh, you know, for Ole Miss. I haven't heard of a of a state player uh, baseball in general. And 
look, this was the sport, man. Uh, they felt it first. They felt it uh, more than the others. They had their season uh, taken away, their conference season. In uh, football, you had the discussion uh, the whole summer, and are you going to play? What's it going to look like? Ultimately, you got there. The games were played. I think it went about as well as it could go, uh, college football, during a pandemic. But they got to play, and uh, the baseball guys really did not last year, not in the conference. Yeah, I don't think it's weird at all, honestly, um, that we're not seeing that. Uh, mostly because, you know, you saw football and some basketball. Basketball mostly because it's an inside sport. Um, you're rubbing up against each other. Football, you're hitting each other. You're all over each other. Baseball, you never come in contact with the other team, really. You know, first base, you know, maybe. You know, third base a little bit. But, like, you never really come in contact with other people. It's kind of you have your own little space over there. Plus, like you mentioned, they missed an entire season already. You know, it wasn't like football where, you know, oh, yeah, you know, you get to play in front of, you know, 10 or 25% fans. Like, they didn't get to play at all. They had the entire season canceled. Um, and plus, at this point of the COVID, you know, COVID is still a thing for sure. But, you know, at any given time, you can ask somebody, like, I know you're fully vaccinated. I'm getting my first shot, you know, right now. So you got to think, you know, any given time that you're talking to somebody, there's a chance that they're already fully vaccinated. You know, the numbers are down. Um, it's it, it's still a threat, but it's not near the threat it was nine months ago. Yeah, or eight months ago, and I think that's a that that's one of the reasons why you're not seeing some opt outs, and plus just the fact that uh, um, you know, that's just they already missed the season; they don't want to miss another. You know, it, it'd be tough if I was a baseball player in college, and you know, if if you're a junior or something, and all of a sudden you know you miss your sophomore season because of last year, and then all of a sudden you come back as a junior, technically a sophomore within say ruling, but you're a junior, and then all of a sudden you opt out, and then, what, you probably didn't play your freshman year, and now all of a sudden you're a senior, and you have no no playing time, and you're a senior in college. You know, it's tough to it's tough to have to sit out two seasons, and I think a lot of players look at it that way, um, because if you're if you want a chance at the, the MLB or professional baseball wherever you're going to end up playing at you can't miss you know three seasons of your college career on a normal basis you have to argue proven you know there's not a lot of guys that can come out at 22 23 years old and have one great season and all of a sudden get picked in the first round and get a double a or something um i think i think that's a way to look at it but uh you know it's just that's how i see it i don't think it's too weird that we're not seeing anything mostly because they already missed a season well, I'll tell you what, and not only are we not seeing the opt-outs, uh, I'm not sure about state's roster, but at Ole Miss, we, you know, we're seeing those guys who chose to come back for a second senior season, we're seeing them make uh, – some of them make big impacts now, mostly pitchers with uh, Taylor Broadway, uh, Austin Miller, and Tyler Myers, all of them making uh, big impacts on the roster, all of them like uh, coming back for that uh, extra season – I was kind of iffy on that, you know, in terms of how many I thought would come back because, you know, I think a lot of fans look at that and they think, oh, man, he, he should come back. He can do better. He can improve his stock for the drafting, da-da-da-da-da. All those things are important. But uh, when you start looking at where so many of these players are in stage of life, okay, if you're talking about uh, bringing back a guy for a second senior season, well, he's probably already got his degree, okay, He's yeah, so he's pretty far along there. Yeah. He 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 may have his mind if he's not got his mind on trying to play professionally uh, in whatever sport, then he's probably got his mind on beginning his career, getting out in the workforce, finding a job, some things like that. Uh, he's thinking about family, 
There may be a girlfriend in the picture. Uh, there are so many things away from the sport that I think players at that stage of life are considering. I don't think it's a slam dunk by any stretch that uh, players would come back for a second year. Now, many of them have. And uh, baseball, we're seeing it make an impact. There are several uh, uh, football guys uh, for Ole Miss who have chosen to come back for that second senior season uh, that uh, will make an impact. Uh, Sam Williams and Lakia Henry on defense and, and others. So there, there, are, there are a lot of folks taking advantage you know, of that uh, opportunity. Yeah, and, you know, with the baseball, I think you, that's there. And it's also the fact that so many players return this year because the draft was smaller. Um, you know, the draft was only five rounds. So you have some of those players, you know, I can't speak for, for Ole Miss, but, you know, for State specifically, you know, like Tanner Allen, Rowdy Jordan, Josh Hatcher, you know, those are three, you know, starters in the infield and outfield who on a normal year aren't here this year. You know, they go, they go in the draft and then all of a sudden they're here um, because of that shortened draft. So they're having another year and they're, they're making big impact because those are, you know, those are impact players that have played three seasons already. Um, but, you know, what I, what I think is the biggest thing for, uh, for the schools when it comes to the COVID affecting the rosters and everything like that is the fact that the, the draft was shortened and you get some of these high schoolers in here. Like you think, uh, you know, Mississippi State is starting Jackson Fristo on Sunday against Arkansas, a true freshman. Um, you know, he's two and one this year. He's got like a 1.8 ERA in like five appearances, six appearances. Um, he's not on, he's not on Starkville. He's not in Starkville. He's not on Mississippi State campus. If there's a normal draft year, he's playing minor league ball right now. Um, but because of that draft, you know, you get him, you get Mikey Tepper, who's only had a few appearances on the mound. You get some of those freshmen that are making instant impacts at the college level who normally in a normal year are playing in minor league ball. You know, they're out there trying to trying to get professional, you know. And so I think that's the biggest – I think that's a little kind of a bigger impact, in, or I guess it's probably the same impact as the seniors. But, um, you know, that, I think that's a big one. And uh, I don't know – if that's going to show, like, if you see more freshmen, I think you've seen in the last few years a lot of freshmen forego the MLB draft and come the high picks, uh, especially to Mississippi State and Ole Miss, who's had a few of them in the last few years. But um, I think that's something we could see more of when you see these freshmen making instant impacts on the field every year. Shifting gears, let's talk basketball a little bit, Dalton. We've got a few minutes left in the program. Uh, we got uh, two teams uh, in the NIT semis in their respective sports. Uh, uh, State's men uh, won last night. We'll let you talk about that. The Ole Miss women uh, won earlier this week. Uh, they play in the WNIT semis tonight uh, against uh, Northern Iowa. Team is going to shoot a lot of threes. Uh, been kind of an interesting run for the ladies because they've done it with uh, their head coach uh, out of action there with COVID. You let McPhee McEwen is expected back tonight. Uh, they've had three different acting head coaches, kind of a an interesting setup that uh, that she left for her staff while she was away, but uh, she she was involved, you know, as we've seen uh, through technology. So she monitored practice, right. and she would she would call practice to a stop and, and call the girls over to a uh, call one of the girls over to a to the screen if she wanted to yell at them, and then they would resume practice. So I thought uh, I thought that was interesting, but uh, it's been a good run for. Yeah, a good run for that program, Dalton, because they were so bad for, for so many years. And, um, you know, the WNIT, when, when you are coming where they were coming from, the WNIT, while I, I think it 
it, it takes a certain level of play for a lot of folks to start watching women's basketball anyway. And, and that level is far above the WNIT. Right. Okay. But the WNIT has yeah. been a good step for Ole Miss at this stage of program building. Maybe uh, they will continue. Uh, looks like they're going to return most of their roster. I can see this team next year as like uh, uh, an NCAA six or seven seed. So, yeah, and I kind of see it um, the way I see the NIT this year for both Ole Miss women and Mississippi State men um, is that the programs, like you said, are not at the places where people want them to be, but they're both building on something, and um, both teams are fairly young. And uh, so playing in these NIT tournaments and just make it to the semifinals where both of them are, you know, that adds, what, three or four games to their schedule in an elimination setting that could go a long way for, you know, these these freshmen and sophomores that are getting playing time. Um, and, yeah, the competition's not fantastic, you know. You know, you would, you would expect uh, Ole Miss to be, would you say, Northern Iowa? Um, you would, yeah. And so, yeah – that, that's not a normal team that, you know, you would normally see Ole Miss playing in the regular season. But just the fact that you're playing them in an elimination setting, I think, you know, adds a little bit of pressure, um, especially when you're a one seed. And you just, just having those four extra games in that setting, I feel like builds a lot for the team, especially a team that's, you know, been been as bad as Ole Miss, frankly, you know, in the last yeah. few years. And, you know, state the state program, um, the men's, has not been as bad as the Ole Miss women, of course, the last few years. But, you know, they, they lost, what, two NBA players last year, two professional players, three professional players last year. They come back on what would have been an NCAA team to last year. Come back this year with a bunch of sophomores and freshmen playing. Um, and you're playing NIT. And, of course, you know, you would expect an SEC team like Mississippi State to beat some of these Atlantic 10 teams and some of these Conference USC teams. But, like, you know, State's in a kind of a weird spot where, you know, they're starting two sophomore or three sophomores, a freshman. You know, they have two or three more other freshmen sophomores that are getting serious playing time and only really one under one upperclassman, Abdul Adu. And so, you know, you have you're, – you're getting these guys more games, and I think that's the biggest – that's the biggest part about it. And State is taking advantage of it because, you know, DJ Stewart, who has struggled at some points of the year and been really good, you know, he's been such an inconsistent player – um, you know, he's only a sophomore for state. And then like yesterday, he, he scores four points in the first half or five points in the first half. And you're like, Oh, you know, he's going to have one of those low games. And then he scores 17 in the second half and hits a game winning three to beat uh, Richmond yesterday, a good Richmond team. Um, and so you're seeing some of these guys come out. You're seeing some consistency evolve out of some of these guys like Iris and Molinar, who's at, you know, scoring 16 to 18 points every single game for Mississippi state right now. And so I think what, all these guys that are coming back next year, they're really kind of setting up what they are, you know, and of course they're going to improve or whatever's going to happen to them over the off season going to happen. But I think they're kind of setting a precedent for themselves right now. And, and I think back to a few years ago, um, I think it was the 20, I think it was the 2019 season when state played the NIT, Quindary Weatherspoon, you know, they made it to the semis that year as well. And Quindary Weatherspoon made a good, you know, had a buzzer beater. They had a good little run in the, in the NIT and then the next year, they were in Sibley tournament team, like you mentioned, Ole Miss might be. So I think the NIT tournaments, while it's not the best basketball, like you mentioned, um, it, it, it does serve a really good uh, purpose for these teams to join. I was really, you know, Mississippi State women were offered the NIT and turned it down. And I really think that because she, she said that she wanted to get back to a championship standard. I think this could have gone a long way to getting them back to a championship standard. 
But I'm not the coach, so. Yep. I will tell you this. I'll say this about uh, the level of competition in these tournaments. Um, when you win a couple of rounds, it, you might not feel that in the first round of the NIT, uh, but when you win a couple of rounds, uh, you're playing against some pretty good mid-majors. You're playing against teams that probably mm -hmm. would be the equivalent of uh, uh, the bottom third or maybe the bottom half of the SEC on a given night, depending on the team, you know. Uh, so, no, you're not playing uh, – you know, elite competition uh, every step of the way, but you're not playing uh, bad competition either. And uh, so lot, uh, right. lot to be gained, a lot to be gained from uh, the NIT for both the men and the women. Folks, that will wrap us up for this edition of Justify Your Existence, the podcast that talks SEC through the lens of Mississippi. Check out our work at djournal. Dot com. Find that drop-down menu on the left. Scroll down to the Ole Miss and Mississippi State pages and watch the stories flow. We're on Facebook as well. Ole Miss discussion with Parrish Alford, Mississippi State discussion with Dalton Middleton. Lots of good things in those groups. Check them out. Folks, thanks for being with us. Come back and join us Monday.